Hello, this is Dave from Race Reflections and welcome to Race Reflections at Work, the podcast that focuses on inequality, injustice and oppression in the workplace. Today's episode is part two of my reflections around podcasting and power, looking at podcasting as an industry and a form of work, and looking at the ways in which systems of oppression have contributed to creating and restricting that industry. If you want to send us your queries, questions and dilemmas to be reflected on and addressed on the podcast, please email at work at racereflections.co.uk. This episode will focus on what I'm calling prestige podcasting, bingeable, self-contained narratives that are highly edited and often produced by large teams. As a case study, I'm going to be taking a critical look at the most famous example of prestige podcasting, the podcast that changed the industry, Serial. I'll then trace some of the roots that Serial grew from and follow its branches, finishing with a look at the 2022 show, The Trojan Horse Affair. If you don't know me already, I am Race Reflections, audio wizard slash witch, and I'm the person who puts this podcast together. In part one of Podcasting and Power, I looked at the history of podcasting and the podcast industry and considered the reasons why it has taken so long for marginalised voices and creators to be a big part of podcasting and how that has not necessarily meant that marginalized people have felt welcomed and supported in these workplaces and systems. In today's episode, I'm going to be considering prestige podcasting, for want of a better word, the podcasts that people generally think of as very critically acclaimed, the podcasts that are often limited series, which give you a journalistic narrative or a storytelling narrative, the kind of podcasts that people recommend to everybody that they know, and thinking about how that genre of podcasting has been built by white, cishet, colonial reporters. So in my previous episode, I talked a lot about the ways that the music industry and the radio industry have influenced what the podcasting industry is and how we've imported a lot of the problems from those industries. And today it's going to be much more about journalism and documentary making and how the problems with those industries and practices have also been imported into the podcast industry. In many ways, there's a lot of crossover between journalism and radio because a lot of the radio industry is audio journalism. So to give you a little bit more of an idea of where I stand within all of this, apart from the fact that I'm white, middle-class, straight-ish, and can be read as a man very often. And so I have a lot of the structural privileges and positions of many of the people that I will be criticising within this episode. I'd also like to say that I do not see myself as a journalist, although some of the work that I've made 
might be described by some people as journalism. I've made podcasts and podcast series which could be definitely called documentary, they could definitely be called narrative, and could even maybe be called prestige. Although that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm comfortable with being labelled as prestige. And certainly, I've never made a podcast as successful in terms of large audiences as many of the podcasts that I'm going to be talking about today. Just like in part one of Podcasting and Power, in today's episode, I may ruin some of your favourite podcasts. It's important to recognise, and I'm sure that most people listening to this do, that most of the media that we consume and engage with has plenty of problems within it, including the media that we love. And I think it's important to hold a space somewhere within us for the good things and the things that we really appreciate about the media that we love and also to keep a critical view on it and to both love and dislike media at the same time. And I'm sure that most of you already are very critical about most of the media that you consume, whether you love it or hate it. And I guess I'd like to say a personal note here, which is that if you would like to judge me to critically appraise my work. I'm very open to that. And I would really love to hear from people about things I get wrong in my work so I can improve it in the future. So if you want to make an assessment of me and my work, then do check out my most recent podcast series, which is the most prestige of the things that I've made called Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of My Dad. So the podcast that kicked off what we've come to know as the podcast industry, the podcast that made podcasting something that people had heard about, something that people talked about, something that was considered by culture to be important and considered by advertisers and corporations to be potentially very lucrative, was Serial. And that was made by the team who was making a show called This American Life, which with other podcasts like Radio Lab, were the most popular, the most critically acclaimed podcasts from the early years of podcasting, and that themselves grew out of NPR public radio in America. So were made by people who already made audio, who already had skills, and so could show those skills off in this new and exciting format. So Serial itself demonstrates what I'm talking about, about things being made by white cishet colonial reporters because Serial was made by a white team. Its main presenter was a white woman, although some of that whiteness is, you could say, complicated because some of the people who make This American Life are white Jewish people, but they're certainly middle-class American Jewish people. But the interesting thing about Serial is whilst it's a white team and it's white reporters... It was a show about people of colour. The main character in the show was an incarcerated Muslim person of colour. And the show is about whether or not he is innocent or guilty of a violent crime which involved the death of an East Asian woman. And not just that, both of those people 
at the time were teenagers. So the power dynamics are very clear, I think, when you think about that and you think about what it means to go into those communities to find the truth, in inverted commas, about that story, who is telling that story, who is benefiting from that story. And to get a more in-depth discussion of that, I would recommend reading an article called The Complicated Ethics of Serial, the most popular podcast of all time by Jessica M. Goldstein, published by Think Progress. And another piece that covers it very well is White Reporter Privilege by Jay Caspian Kang, which was published by The All. And I should say that I'll put links to all of the things that I reference in the show notes of this episode. As that second piece says, what happens when a white journalist stomps around in a cold case involving people from two distinctly separate immigrant communities? Does she get it right? And spoilers for the rest of that article, it suggests that she doesn't. One of the things that that article mentions is that Sarah Koenig, who is the person who was presenting and the main creative force on that project, that she admitted that she was mostly making Serial up as she went along. And that is crucial to consider with Serial, which they didn't finish before putting out. So even if Serial did uncover important things, it may not have done. They didn't know what they were stirring up. They didn't know what story they were going to end up telling. And that raises a lot of questions around journalistic integrity and journalistic practice. And not only that, they benefited greatly from that. In many ways, the groundwork, the culture that created Serial was already structured in a colonial way. For example, the way that Many people's favorite, or at least back then, many people's favorite podcast, Radio Lab, covered the treatment of the Hmong people in their show was incredibly questionable and raised criticism at the time, criticism which was not widely reported. They made a show about the controversy around the Yellow Rain Warfare in the Vietnam War. And they presented that as something that they knew as a matter of fact, the answers to, when in fact, that is still very much an area that is up for debate. And the lived experience, the reporting of the Hmong people who experienced that war was dismissed and not given the primacy, the respect, which one must give if you're a journalist and you're reporting it. For more on that, I would recommend a piece called The Science of Racism, Radiolab's Treatment of the Hmong Experience by Kayo Kalia Young, which was published in Hyphen magazine. So there was already this existing colonialist journalist attitude. That is something that comes from journalism as a whole. It comes from radio as a whole. And it folds out from Serial as well. So another podcast that was made by the team behind Serial called S-Town, which is a show which in many ways I very much admire and think is uh, brilliantly made. It's also a very morally questionable series. And there's questions there about how it fails both queer and 
black listeners. So I would recommend, if you want to read more about that, checking out How S-Town Fails Black Listeners by Marza Mangisti in Rolling Stone. Or S-Town is a stunning podcast. It probably shouldn't have been made by Aja Romano in Vox. So that's kind of some of the biggest incidences of the way that whiteness and colonialism influences the way that people tell stories about the other, how they think that they are able to do that objectively. And objectivity is a very questionable concept, as I'm sure many of you agree, how they think that they are able to go through the material, go through the stories and decide what is right, what is true. that brings me to kind of my main case study for this episode, which is the very good and very excellent. I really have very little criticism for it, although I'm sure that there are some and I've read many criticisms of it, but I do not agree with most of them. But the podcast series, The Trojan Horse Affair, made by the same people who made S-Town and the same people who made Serial. But the big difference between this podcast and Serial and S-Town is that it isn't made just by a white team. One half of the team is indeed Brian Reed, who was the main creator of S-Town, and he is white. But the other half of the team who made that podcast was Hamza Syed, who is a person of colour, a Muslim, from the UK, which means that he is representative of the place and the community that that podcast is about. It's a podcast that couldn't have been made without the whiteness of This American Life and the New York Times, which funded that show. The actual existence of the podcast comes down to Hamza approaching Brian and telling him about the story of the Trojan Horse Affair, and Brian being shocked that the UK press had not covered the question of who wrote the letter that created the terrible fallout of numerous kinds of Islamophobia that plagued the city of Birmingham and the wider UK as a result of the reporting of that letter. It's a podcast which reflects on journalism as a workplace at the time, Hamza was a student of journalism. He was changing his career from one workplace to another. And he wanted to tell that story because he had personal stakes within it. He had lived experience, which helped him to reflect on it. Whereas Brian, as an American, was shocked and fascinated by the way that journalism in Britain works. And so the combination of those two people with various kinds of ignorance and various kinds of experience created a show which not only really explores questions and potentially gives answers to its main question, but also one that reflects on journalism. Brian himself challenges and is forced to reflect on his own ways of doing journalism, on objectivity, on whiteness, on how he has been within the systems around him. Hamza also gets to explain 
to a wider audience what it is like to try and be a journalist of colour, a Muslim journalist of colour in an Islamophobic country trying to tell a story about Islamophobia. It also contains some brilliant pieces that expose whiteness, that expose racism, the very British and polite way that whiteness can function. It also looks at complicity within systems of oppression from white people, but also from brown people who can potentially utilise those systems for their advantage. It's a real tour de force that deserves to be called a prestige piece, if anything does. However, the way that it was responded to, the way it was received, was unlike the previous work from This American Life, Serial, The New York Times. Even though it had many of the same people working on it, it had many of the same qualities that those shows had. In fact, the only quality I think it doesn't have that those other shows have is the colonialist mindset, which I've previously been referring to. When you Google that podcast, the first article that comes up is by Sonia Soda from The Guardian and The Observer. If any of you are familiar with her work, you will probably know it for the way that she frequently makes excuses for whiteness, where she frequently makes critiques of people of colour. Her pieces are full of transphobia and generally are opinion pieces passed off as editorials or journalism. And I think it's interesting that partly because of the structural issues of Google putting it first in the search, her article is going to be the one that most people read. And that article claims to debunk and criticise and find fault in the Trojan Horse Affair podcast, but in fact is full of things that are not true or bad journalism or whatever you want to call it. But they do not represent the reality of that podcast. They misrepresent the content of that show. They misrepresent the history of the events around that show and that story and do the job of dismissing and underplaying Islamophobia, both historical Islamophobia and current Islamophobia. And it's crucial to note that Sonia herself is not a Muslim. Whilst her brown skin is kind of used to indicate that she has skin in that game, that she has lived experience around Islamophobia, that is not the case. Apart from I'm sure because she's got brown skin, she is sometimes red as a Muslim. Other than that, that is not her experience. That is not her knowledge base. But because of her article, other articles from news sites, which are considered to be objective, considered to be the most trustworthy, many people have dismissed that podcast. Some people will not have listened to that podcast because of these critiques and criticisms. And crucially, it has not helped to create the very necessary things which that podcast make an absolute case for, such as investigating what happened, publicising the real history, and investigating individuals who may very well have 
lied, committed fraud, all of those kinds of things. That kind of press around the Trojan horse affair dismiss that show generally in two ways. One, they say it is a biased piece because Hamza is a Muslim and has existing opinions about the Trojan horse affair. That criticism is very, very unjustified if you listen to the show, because in the show, Hamza talks about bias, talks about those kinds of things and looks at what that means, looks at objectivity, absolutely puts his hands up and says, this is my position. This is where I am. And in fact, it explores that incredibly well. And journalists could learn a lot about those issues from it. Another way that Hamza is dismissed is by the fact that he is an early career journalism, that he starts as someone who is studying journalism coupled with Brian's Americanness, that is kind of used to take away any credibility for the show. And that is very interesting because one of the things that the podcast brings out for Hamza in the show and in later interviews after the show is over is whether he wants to work in journalism because he hoped that by shining a light on this case, concrete and important work would happen that has not been the case. And the way that he has been received afterwards has constantly dismissed him in the ways that he was already feeling dismissed as a Muslim and as someone of colour trying to break into journalism. Exactly what he worried would happen happened to him during making the Trojan Horse Affair and absolutely happened to him afterwards in terms of the responses. For more about this pushback against the Trojan Horse Affair and how journalism has treated that show in a different way from the way it's treated other prestige shows, check out these articles. Trojan Horse, A Failure of British Journalism, and that includes The Observer by Rafiq Ayaz over on Media Diversified. Trojan Horse on Trial by Asfar Shafi in The Tribune magazine. Trojan Horse Affair, Why New Podcast Evokes Both Enthusiasm and Rage by Khadija Al-Shaya and Shireen Fernandez in the Middle East Eye. The Trojan Horse Affair versus the British Press by Nicholas Qua in Vulture. And The Real Trojan Affair by Simon Vesey in Media Diversified. And as I said, I'll put all of these links in the show notes. So far in the show, I've given starting points for anybody who wants to really explore these issues in podcasting. But at Race Reflections at work, we don't just like to point at the problems. We also like to consider some solutions and tactics that people can use to lessen or push back against the problems that we reflect on. It's a bit more difficult for me to fully comment on that because as I said at the beginning, I don't consider myself a journalist. I have no background in journalism. As a podcaster, I am bound by the same rules that people who publish work in the mainstream media are bound by. So as I said, I am in some ways part of that. And I definitely, within my own work, try to consider how I may be reinforcing colonialist and racist approaches, mostly the ways that I do that as someone making work, and if you make work, you might want to consider these ways, is I tell my own stories, I look at my own experiences and life, and where I cover 
other people's experiences. I invite them to share those experiences and be the voices reflecting on those experiences. But I also am aware of my own positionality and make that clear so that people can judge my work not as objective, but as one subjective person's work that they can then be critical about. In terms of the wider podcast industry or the industries around journalism as a whole, the best tactics I can come up with are to support the good work, to share that good work, and to make that good work. So anybody that's listening to this, I really recommend listening to The Trojan Horse Affair. I also recommend telling anyone you know about that show. The mainstream media only gets the majority of people's attention because it has access to people's attention in multiple ways. We can push back against that by highlighting, promoting other media, encouraging the people in our lives to be critical media consumers, but also to give them examples and to give ourselves examples of alternative forms of media. So that includes listening to podcasts and sharing podcasts and promoting podcasts that are by people of colour or other marginalised groups that are independent, that are shining light on areas that are not looked at or are looking at areas that are frequently looked at through a different lens. But it's also about doing that with media and journalism in general being critical of media that calls itself liberal, that calls itself left-wing, that calls itself alternative but is part of and reinforces oppressive structures, but also looking elsewhere, supporting and forming media that can be a real alternative, that can represent communities that are underrepresented. In terms of podcasts that we could call prestige, I would recommend, as I did in the last of these podcasts, Human Resources from Broccoli Content. I would also recommend Have You Heard George's Podcast from George the Poet, Reclaimed and Rewritten from Gaudem, and Coiled by Leanne Ali. There are many other podcasts which you might not call prestige, but are certainly brilliant I'll mention a few of them now that you might be interested in, but absolutely, this is a quick list of places to start. Busy Being Black, Say Your Mind with Kalechi Okafor, Intersectionality Matters with Kimberly Crenshaw, The Masala Podcast, and Surviving Society. That's a very, very partial and non-exhaustive list of places to start. So I hope that all made sense and didn't feel too much just like a list of different things to pay attention to. These episodes have been adapted from a talk that I gave at the first Race Reflections internal conference and I'm aware that they don't necessarily have the same feel as many of the podcasts that we put out at Race Reflections at work but I hope they've given something to you regardless. Elaine will be back soon and certainly whoever you hear next on the show will not be me. I try to avoid that happening as much as possible. To help this show to grow and to reach more listeners because we are a show that you can share and support if you want to help independent media 
Subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Doing that does help. It does help people to hear us. It does help to boost our listenership. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Dave from Race Reflections. Goodbye and take care.